Hey friends, this is Reverend McKinley Sims from UU Restoration in beautiful Philadelphia. We've taken a backseat from creating different kinds of podcasts thanks to the COVID crisis. But what we have been doing is I've been creating content on our public Facebook page, facebook.com slash UU Restoration. We've been doing an everyday theology series, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. The videos usually come out live. I wanted to share the audio here on the podcast stream to get back in the habit of making podcasts and to get wider reach on the videos that we're doing. So the audio that you're about to hear is from our series, Tuesday Theology, Everyday Theology, Theology 101. I call it a bunch of different things, but you'll get the picture after you hear the first episode. Thanks for sticking with us. Stay safe out there. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Theology 101, our Tuesday Theology Talks here on the public Facebook page of UU Restoration here in Philadelphia. I am isolating, social distancing in my basement and wanted to bring up a new episode of Theology 101, doing theology every day, everyday theology, whatever we want to call it. That's what we're talking about today. Last week, we talked about having a theology of spring and what that means for us as human beings, as Unitarian Universalists, as people living in the Corona age. So you can search back on our public Facebook page to find that video on Theology of Spring. And before that, we also talked about what is theology? How do we do theology every day? Does it have to be Christocentric or Christian-centric or Judeo-Christian-centric or Judaism-Christian-Islam-centric? Does it have to do with God? And the answer is yes and no, that theology is a much broader category. So today I want to talk about the second source of Unitarian Universalism, the words and deeds of prophetic people that challenge us to live in inspiring ways. So we have six sources in Unitarian Universalism, and the second one speaks about the words and deeds of prophetic people. So when I was in seminary training to be a minister, one of our courses was on the words and deeds of prophetic people from our past, from our religious traditions. And we had to pick, had to is a strong word. We got to, sometimes we were assigned what we called a UU saint. And you pick someone from Unitarian or Universalist history that you admired, whose life spoke to you, whose words and deeds challenge you to work against systems of oppression, et cetera, et cetera. And mine was James Freeman Clark. And if you've never heard of James Freeman Clark, I invite you to look him up, as well as a whole host of other folks. I'm trying to show you this. This is my man, James Freeman Clark. You can see the resemblance, I think. He's my guy, my UU saint. And his words and deeds challenge me to work against systems of, of oppression, inspire me to live a life of meaning, to find a new way to be human based on his example from the early 19th century. So he grew up in New Hampshire and then attended school in Boston and went to Harvard and went out West, what was in West for the European colonizers to Louisville, Kentucky to be a minister. And it was the frontier at that point. The white folks who were living there were fairly uneducated. 
a fairly rough and tumble sort. And Kentucky was a slave state at this point. Like in the 1830s was when he was there. And to preach to his congregation, he brought his theology, which Wikipedia describes as a mild theology, meaning progressive theology. He was an advocate for women's rights. He was an advocate for abolition. He was an advocate for natural religion. He joined the transcendentalist movement. So he didn't just see God in scriptures or God through the lens of Christianity or Judaism. He saw God everywhere. And that's kind of what theology 101 is. That's what doing theology every day is. It's how I describe my theology and what I try and do. We had a Jubilee session, an anti-racism training session, and they said, if you could sum up your, your motivation in three words, your motivation for being here, your motivation for trying to change the world, to be a better person, three words, what would you say? And mine has been and, and will continue to be, see God everywhere. That's what the Transcendentalists were about. It's what James Freeman Clark was about. I think it's what Unitarian Universalism is about, even though we have different definitions of the word God. I think we're all trying to see holiness everywhere. So when I look at James Freeman Clark's life, I see that he goes out to Louisville, Kentucky as an abolitionist in a slave state and starts to pastor in this way. He does it with the heart of a poet. And he has this deep, unending belief in the fundamental goodness of humanity and belief that if we can apply religious principles to social problems, that we could change the world for the better. And that if each individual person takes ownership of their own actions and sticks with one another, treats one another with respect and dignity as family members, that we could create a world of justice and peace. Sounds familiar, right? So James Freeman Clark, to educate his parishioners and to try and stay connected to his home back in Boston when he was in Kentucky, he got deliveries of the prominent newspapers of the day, of the, the Christian Register or the Herald, and I, I don't know all which. They sent them out to Kentucky, and rather than just use them as they were and try and convince or force his parishioners to believe what was written, he would take the parts that resonated with his folks, and he would work that way. That he was willing to shift and change and present to his people what they needed to hear to lead them in the right direction, rather than giving them all the dogma and all the creed and just telling them to believe or get out. That he was willing to change what he had been taught and willing to change what he had assumed his direction would be, change what his motivations would be to serve the people that he was tasked with caring for. That even when things changed in his life and changed in his circumstances, he had the flexibility and the adaptability to go with it and to keep trying to see God everywhere, to keep trying to love people into wholeness and keep trying to make the world a better place. So I was cruising on Twitter earlier this morning and I saw a tweet and I cannot find it so I can't quote who it's from, but it said, what we are witnessing is people going through withdrawal symptoms 
from the drug of the myth of certainty. That we are watching the world go through withdrawal from the drug of the myth of certainty. That we know everything, we understand what's going to happen today. Nothing really bad can happen to us. And that's all been upended in this virus pandemic. And now we're trying to learn how to live into that uncertainty in that liminal space where things don't feel settled, where we don't know what's going to happen. Right? So the truth is we've always been in that space. We just didn't know it. Right? And now this great uncertainty feeds our deepest fears and anxieties. Right? It's like the fear of the dark. There's nothing scary about darkness, nothing bad about darkness, but it's the unknown the unknowability of what's in the dark, what might be in the dark, that scares us. It's the same thing with death. The unknown is what scares us, causes us anxiety. And the truth is we've always been uncertain about these things, even those of us who have very strong faith traditions. We've always been uncertain, but that uncertainty has never been a part of our faith traditions. We don't do a great job as someone who grew up in the Christian tradition of managing doubt and lifting up doubt, lifting up change, adaptability, lifting up flexibility, lifting up uncertainty as part of a faith tradition, as part of theology. So today we're talking about the theology of uncertainty. What does it mean to live in these uncertain times? How do we make meaning out of them? That's where we are. As Unitarian Universalists, we draw on these different sources. So the words and deeds of prophetic people like James Freeman Clark, I'm gonna bring his picture back up because I love this picture of him, who is willing to be flexible and adaptable, willing to live in uncertainty for his people. That inspires me to not be so firmly attached to the things that I know to be true Right, that I'm willing to see what the world has to offer me and to make sense of that today. What I make sense of today may not work tomorrow. It may not be the same as yesterday. I'm trying every day to see God everywhere. And I know that my theology may one day not be that, may not be about God at all. I'm okay with that. I'm learning to live into that uncertainty, that the ways of the future are not set. Our Buddhist siblings, I think, do this better than most of us. That being present in the moment, being grounded in today, and starting off our awareness with simply breathing. As a way of being in this moment, being in the uncertainty and being okay with it is a fabulous spiritual practice to embrace in these days. That when things feel so uncertain and so out of control, recognizing that they've always been that way and we're still here. We just didn't know how uncertain things were. Helps us to be grounded in this moment. Say, what is asked of me today, now? Where do I see God? Where do I see the holy? Where do I see beauty, joy now?
today, in this moment, because the next moment tomorrow is not guaranteed. And whether it's guaranteed or not, there's nothing we can do to change that. Because there are up to forces beyond our control. So having a theology of uncertainty is embracing that liminal space to be more rooted in what's going on right now around us. That feeding the anxiety of what's going to happen tomorrow with the price of oil, with the stock market, with the virus, you can pay attention to that. There's nothing wrong with that. But what you pay attention to will grow. And maybe the antidote for that anxiety is to pause, take a breath, let go of some of that certainty and be in this moment. Be willing to be flexible, to be adaptable, to change. Be willing to be like James Freeman Clark, who had the heart of a poet, who wrote words of beauty and stirring inspiration for himself and for others, who worked to make the world a better place and had a belief in the goodness of humanity and the ability of humankind to be on an upward trajectory towards better things, even when things around him didn't always mirror that hope, even while living in a state under the oppression of slavery, even when parishioners walked out on his sermons that lifted up abolition. He was willing to stay in the moment, to stay in the work, and allow his faith to be one of optimism and hope and of uncertainty that was willing to change. He was willing to fail. He was willing to be disappointed. May we all have faith like that in these days. May we be willing to embrace the uncertainty as something that is holy, to see God in the uncertain times not to ascribe positive or negative emotions to them, just simply that it is. And when we feel overwhelmed, may we take a breath, be grounded in this moment, notice the feelings we're having, recognizing that the whole universe is good, and that we are part of it too. May we be challenged and inspired to continue the work, even when we have moments of uncertainty. May we be weaned off the drug that is the myth of certitude. May we be willing to breathe and go along for the ride and to see beauty, to see God, to see love everywhere. May it be so.